Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Just when we thought we were out, we get pulled back in. While we just wrapped our Season 2 Summit episodes last week, there are definitely some things that have come up that warrant some discussion before we officially close up shop on Season 2. This episode is all about the NPS and the Great American Outdoors Act, which was signed into law in August of 2020. So in order to understand the Great American Outdoors Act, it is important to understand what the NPS Deferred Maintenance Backlog is. While the national parks have often been credited as America's best idea, the funding hasn't always been there to ensure that this vision is lived up to. NPS sites receive over 300 million visitors annually, which definitely adds to the wear and tear on different park units. That along with aging structures like roads, bridges, tunnels, and aging utility and water systems have left the NPS with an almost $12 billion backlog of maintenance projects. In order to understand the backlog and the implications from it, it's helpful to know the history of the NPS itself. While Congress may have voted to establish Yellowstone National Park in 1872, the National Park Service itself was actually decades away. From 1872 to the signing of the Organic Act by Woodrow Wilson in 1916, several other main units of the current National Park Service were established as national parks, including Sequoia, Yosemite, Mount Rainier, Crater Lake, Wind Cave, Mesa Verde, and Glacier, among others. Prior to the establishment of an overarching park service, individual parks had their own, quote, ranger corps, end quote, which worked to establish basic roads and structures, as well as work to police the parks from poachers and vandals. In some cases, like in Yellowstone, Kings Canyon, and Sequoia, the army was sent to the parks to protect and fortify them. The case was different from park unit to park unit, which created an uneven management and lack of consistency across the board. The growing momentum for preserving the American landscape emboldened more political action in order to preserve the relics of the past, be they of indigenous people or early settlers. The 1906 Antiquities Act, signed by President Theodore Roosevelt, created the protection of, quote, historic landmarks, historic and prehistoric structures, 
and other objects of historical or scientific interest, end quote. This allowed for the protection of sites under the auspices of the Department of the Interior, the Department of Agriculture, and the Department of War. These sites became national monuments, some of which eventually became national parks. While many of the parks and monuments fell under the management of the Department of the Interior, it was clear that the lack of organization and mismanagement was an issue. This became abundantly clear to Stephen Mather, a self-made millionaire who loved to hike and camp in the Sierra Nevadas. After a trip to Yosemite and Sequoia National Park, he wrote to the Secretary of the Interior about the deplorable conditions there and was thereafter offered a role in trying to fix them. This set into motion what would become the Organic Act of 1916, which created the National Park Service within the Department of the Interior. Mather at the helm for 13 years as the first director. In 1933, the NPS became the stewards of many sites, parks, and monuments that were previously managed by the Department of War, Department of Agriculture, and the USFS. The 1930s also saw a robust investment in the parks by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt's CCC, the Civilian Conservation Corps. As a part of his New Deal, which sought to get the nation back on track after the devastating economic fallout from the Great Depression, Roosevelt created a variety of alphabet agencies in his first 100 days in office. The 10 years of operation of the CCC left long-lasting impacts on the national parks, including many existing trails, roads, and park facilities. So how are the parks funded, and why is there a backlog? The national parks are funded from a variety of sources, but most of the funding comes from you, the taxpayer. Funding does come from some private sources as well, including concessioners within the parks, which run everything from lodging to food service, as well as from organizations like the National Parks Foundation. Another source of income for the parks comes from the Land and Water Conservation Fund. This fund was established by Congress in 1965 and was used to take money from offshore oil and gas drilling and to reinvest it in land and water via public parks. The fund receives $900 million in royalties each year, but the money is often used for non-park-related projects. Funding is unpredictable from year to year, and the fund itself has even been in danger of potential expiration. All of these additional streams of income are incredibly helpful in the maintenance and upkeep of the parks, especially because the NPS, which manages 419 units, ranging from historic homes to acres and acres of national park land, only receives around $3 billion annually to operate, pay staff, and make necessary repairs and upgrades. When you spread that amount out, it isn't very much, especially when you consider that this is split between a discretionary fund and a mandatory fund. Discretionary being reset by Congress each year and mandatory, which needs no specific action by Congress to spend. While MPS has to submit a budget proposal every year, it is rare that all the money asked for is allocated. And while there are other sources of income, those monies are in flux from year to year. All this, coupled with the high volume of visitorship and aging facilities, makes it apparent why there is a backlog. A backlog which critically impacts the MPS's mission to preserve the parks for this and future generations. The backlog deficit refers to projects that were not able to be completed on time due to budget shortfalls. These projects impact not only the visitor experience, but safe working conditions for the employees of the national park system. Through creative means and generous donations, some of these backlog projects have been completed, like the restoration of paradise. Inn at Mount Rainier, or the addition of a brand new campground at Acadia. However, as facilities, roads, and trails age asynchronously, and as park visitorship continues to grow, the backlog amount has remained somewhere between 11 and $12 billion. 
and the maintenance backlog doesn't just affect the parks themselves, but also the communities that surround them. According to a study by NPS in 2018, visitation to the national parks and their nearby communities added $40.1 billion to the economy and were responsible for supporting 329,000 jobs. The funding of and working towards eliminating the backlog, or at the very least reducing it, can only add more value to the parks and the communities that surround them through more job creation and more visitation. So... What is the Great American Outdoors Act? This legislation was decades in the making and is a real step forward to helping to ensure protection of our public lands through funding, which will tackle the maintenance backlog of the NPS by allocating $9.5 billion over five years to do so, as well as fully funding the $900 million Land and Water Conservation Fund. The legislation will also provide aid to the U.S. Forestry Service, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the Bureau of Land Management, and the Bureau of Indian Education. Some of the most pressing deferred maintenance projects that this legislation will help create relief for include the update of the Grand Loop and entrance roads to Yellowstone National Park, the maintenance of the aging buildings at the Martin Luther King Jr. National Historic Park, and rehabilitation projects at campgrounds, trails, and roads within Yosemite National Park. This critical infrastructure will only aid in the visitor experience and visitor and employee safety. So how did the Great American Outdoors Act come about? So receiving bipartisan support in the House and the Senate, the bill was signed by the President on August 4th, 2020. The legislation was originally introduced to the House by the late John Lewis of Georgia in March of 2019. The legislation was then taken up in the Senate by Cory Gardner of Colorado and Stephen Daines of Montana. There were 59 senators as co-sponsors for this bill. While it was widely supported, much of the pushback for the bill, which came from Republicans, stated that the legislation did not adequately address the near $20 billion in backlog on all public lands in the United States. There was also pushback from the Gulf states as lawmakers from these states argued that they received too little of the monies from the Land and Water Conservation Fund. There's also, you know, the politics behind this act. Um, while it is great for the National Park Service, when you take a look at the two original sponsors of the bill, Cory Gardner and Stephen Daines, they are Republicans that are facing an uphill battle for re-election in the states that they come from, which have incredible resources when it comes to public lands. Sure. There's also criticism to be made of the president, who, while this is an important act to be written into law, there are so many things that our president has done to undermine public lands in this country. There is a great list on the National Parks Conservation Association website. I'm just going to go ahead and read a few of those so you can get a little bit of a taste um, there's over 133 of <laughs> these slights against public lands, um, but these are just uh, four or five. Um, so in September of 2017, the Department of the Interior Order 3356 requires agencies to produce, plan, and expand access for hunting and fishing, and among other provisions, amends national monument manu- management plans to ensure public's right to hunt, fish, and target, and shoot. Uh, January 4th, 2018, the Department of the Interior releases a draft five-year plan for leasing in federal waters, which proposes opening up the Atlantic and Pacific coasts to offshore drilling. In March of 2018, 
the Bureau of Land Management finalized oil and gas lease sales in southeast Utah near Hovenweep and Canyon of the Ancients National Monument. In March of 2019, the United States Fish and Wildlife Services proposed removal of all Endangered Species Act protections for gray wolves in the contiguous United States. And lastly, again, this is a list of five of 133. In June of 2019, the EPA releases its final replacement for the Clean Power Plan and Affordable Clean Energy Rule, which would not require power plants to reduce carbon dioxide emissions. So, while the Great American Outdoors Act is a boon for the National Park Service... It is not indicative of an administration that is in support of fully protecting our public lands, which includes animals and our climate and the environment in which they and we live. Right. Which is going to start to become a big problem for everybody, um, you know, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. So yes. it's time to get on board, folks, yes. and, you know, clean up our acts and fully invest in a clean, renewable future. Yeah. And that's just not exactly what we're seeing. This is, I do feel like a little bit of bait and switch. It's like a way to look good. Like, yeah. I'm going to sign this act. Look at this good thing that I did. It's really hard for me to Ignore not... Ignore everything else. Exactly. Right. See this as a way of going like, it is politics. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to not see this as, you know, some kind of performance. Yes. Yes. And don't get us wrong. We want our public lands to be funded. We want Absolutely. the NPS to be funded. We want this backlog to be very close to zero as you know, or at least to be reduced from where it is at $12 billion right now. But at the same time, we still need to continue to put pressure on our politicians to work to solve environmental problems, to work towards bettering um, issues that surround climate change. Because if we don't have environmental policies that protect us, if we don't have policies that are going to work to fight climate change, then no one's going to be able to enjoy the national no. parks because they'll all be on fire or underwater. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so right. let's get with it, folks. It's true. So where do we go from here? It goes without saying that our public lands offer us so much. The ability to fully fund and support those lands contributes not only to the overall beauty of the country, but the health of its environments, the education of its citizens, and an experience that can be shared by all. While the Great American Outdoors Act is a step in the right direction, we can't forget the support of our public lands is something that needs to be ongoing. If we want our public lands to be available for all, now and in the future, we must continue to offer support beyond our tax dollars and our visitation. Our sources for this episode of Trail Mix includes nps.gov, congress.gov, the National Parks Conservation Association, smartasset.com, and pbs.org. And let's end this trail mix with a game. So what game are we playing? Well, since this entire episode was all about the deferred maintenance backlog mm -hmm. of the NPS, I have in front of me... The receipts. The receipts, <laughs> the deferred maintenance backlog. So I'm going to tell you the projects. Okay. That one park is looking to fund. Okay. And then you to have park. to guess the park. Okay. They are all parks we have visited. Great. Not necessarily in season two, but Great. they are all parks we have visited. Beautiful. And um, this is from the report from the fiscal year of 2018. Okay. Great. Okay. So these might be... Still backlogged. Still backlogged. Here we go. Probably. 
All right. So for this park, they are seeking a total need of $67 million. Okay. 52 of which is for deferred maintenance. Okay. Some of the projects include stabilized riverbank at high priority areas along Towpath Trail and Valley Railway, design service for Fitzwater Complex, rehabilitate railroad bridges number 439 and number 440, replace Towpath Boardwalk at Stumpy Basin, and rehabilitate railroad ties between MP64 and MP66. What is Cuyahoga Valley National Park? That's right. Towpath is what threw Good work. Gave it to me. Okay. Are you ready for the second round? Yeah. There are five rounds. Great. This national park is seeking $103 million uh, for uh, 66 of which is for deferred maintenance backlog. Replacing um, the projects include replacing maintenance facilities at McFarland Hill headquarters, demolish and replace wastewater treatment plant facility, and rehabilitate seawall campground and maintenance building. There's one more, and I'm going to read to you what it says, and I don't exactly know what it means, <laughs> but it's mill two plus O V L Y two. Oh, thank you for speaking in robot. Now I understand. <laughs> um, um, Cadillac Mountain Road. Oh, is this Acadia? That's Acadia. Right. There you go. Great. I'm literally reading it directly from the report. So I know, there's some things that I don't need. It sounds like there's this section of it, Cadillac Mountain right. Road that they want to replace. Yeah, line items really get me going. So thanks. Yep. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Third, third one. Great. Okay, this park is seeking $178 million, mm-hmm. or where it was in 2018, $170 for deferred maintenance backlogs, which include rehabilitate 15.29 miles of the Mineral King Road, rehabilitate Cedar Grove water system, replace Ash Mountain water treatment system, rehabilitate Grant Grove maintenance facility mechanical systems, rehabilitate Ash Mountain wash water collection system. What is Kings Canyon? That's correct. Well. What is Sequoia and Kings Canyon? Correct. There you go. It's both of them seeking it together. Okay, great. Forever. For the next one. (laughs) They're seeking 118 million 93 of which for deferred maintenance. Here we go. Replace failing pond liner in water catchment reservoir number one. Recoat exterior of water storage tanks for visitor health and safety. Replace 80,000 gallon Jagger Museum water tank. Replace Kilauea Visitor Center roof and gutters at end of lifespan. What is Hawaii Volcanoes? There you go. Mick Jagger Museum. Yep, there you Mm -hmm. go. And finally, this last one seeking $923 million, $646 million of it is for deferred maintenance. Okay. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. All right. Rehabilitate all portal wastewater treatment facility. Replace obsolete Tuolumne Meadows wastewater treatment plant. Rehabilitate Tuolumne Meadows campground phase three of three. Construct pedestrian underpass at Northside Drive and the lodge that is of its namesake and reconfigure, expand, and formalize parking in the vicinity of Tuolumne Meadows. Is it Yosemite? That is correct. It is Yosemite National Park. Five for five. Five for five. I'm here for Mm -hmm. it.
This has been Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. And we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks talked about on this show, visit our website, gazeatthenationalparks.com. That's gaze, G-A-Z-E. All original artwork featured on Instagram and on our website is by Michael Ryan. All original music was written by Dave Seaman and performed by Dave Seaman, Mariella Klinger, and Sean Sklios. Our music producer was Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by Dustin Ballard. <laughs>